chapter 43. All right. Y'all don't fight who's going to go first. All right. So there's uh, together, there's, there's uh, 5 and 31. So Sister Mary, won't you say 15 verses, okay? Okay. So for 43, right? Yeah, 43. All the 5 and then 10 and 44. Okay. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust men. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and thy tabernacles. Then will I go to the altar of God and unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the heart will I praise thee, O my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days in the times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out, for they go not, got not, the land in possessions of their own sword, neither did their own arm save them. But thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hast a favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God, command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me but thou hast saved us from our enemies and thou hast put them to shame that hated us in god we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever selah but thou hast cast off and put us to shame and goest not forth with our armies thou makest us to turn back from the enemy and they which hate us spoil for themselves anyway thank you sister Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for me, and hast scattered us among the heathen. Thou sellest thy people for naught, and dost not increase thy wealth by their price. Thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to them that are round about us. Thou makest us a byword among the heathen, a shaking of the head among the people. My confusion is continually before me, and the shame of my face hath covered me. For the voice of him that reproacheth and blasphemeth, by reason of the enemy and avenger. All this is come upon us. Yet have we not forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from thy way. Thou has, though thou hast sore broken us in the place of dragons and covered us with the shadow of death, if we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Yea, for thy sake... Are we killed all the day long? We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. Wherefore hidest thou thy face, and forgettest our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly cleaveth unto the earth. Arise for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Amen. Thank you, sister. I appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, again, turn to Romans chapter 10 here tonight. Romans chapter 10, and we'll get verse 1 down to verse 4 tonight as our message for tonight. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's the message. Now, we'll bring these other verses in, but it says, For I bear them record that they have the zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone 
that believeth. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we do thank you tonight, Lord, for the reading of your word. Thank you for the songs that we've sung. Yet, dear God, they were, it seemed to be very uh, small songs, but they are very large in my heart. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you anoint us with your spirit. Guard our lips and our minds. I pray, Father, that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit said unto the, unto the churches. And God, we're praying tonight, Lord, as you've laid this on my heart, because you know my heart needs it tonight. And I'm preaching to me tonight, Lord, in the midst of others that are here. And I pray, Father, that you'd bring conviction upon me, God. I pray you'd change me. I pray you'll help me tonight, Lord. And, and God, I, I believe tonight the very focus and aim I have is upon me. And I pray, Father, that you'd do that work within my heart and soul. God, thank you for our church. Thank you for those who are here tonight. I pray you'll bless them. God, thank you for their faithfulness, God, and for their steadfastness and love for Christ and their love for the church. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You may be seated. So don't forget tonight to pray for Brother George and Sister Sophia and Brother Keith and Sister Claudia as well. And uh, I guess Sister Loretta has the sniffles, and, and so we need to pray for her as well. And anyone and everyone that we might think that just needs some help. Amen. All right, here in Romans chapter 10, I, I want to title the message tonight for, for me is, is the forgotten souls, the forgotten souls. And here's my thought tonight in chapter 10, verse 1 is going to be the main message from where we're going to preach from. It says, brethren, and so Paul is speaking to the church, speaking to the Christian, speaking to the saved, speaking to those who know God. And so he says to the church, he says to the, those that know God, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I will preach tonight the forgotten souls. And again, as I prayed, I, I'm preaching to me tonight because I need this message. I need this message in the way that, that I... Don't live my life forgetting the souls of mankind. That we get so busy and we get so caught up in our own lives that those that are next to us, the souls, we forget. We forget about them. We forget about where they're headed. We forget about where they're going to go when they die. We forget about the lady at the restaurant or the woman or the man at the store, we forget about the boss or the co-worker, or even our family and our children, our spouse, or grandma, grandpa, and our uncle, nephew, or niece, cousin, uh, or uncle tonight. We, we find that our lives are so caught up in the day in which we live tonight, I feel tonight with me, I'm just speaking to me, that I forget souls. I forget. And I say forget because I want to use the word forgotten souls. Because I believe tonight we think of a lot of things in life. We think a lot of things in the day. But do we think about the souls of men? Do we think about where is that individual going? Where is that individual headed when they die? And tonight, Paul uh, he has three things I want to bring out to us tonight concerning the forgotten souls. And I want to be like Paul. And my first one tonight is the prayer of the saved. And I want to be one tonight that would pray as Paul prayed. And, and he said this. He said the prayer that he mentioned or the prayer that he offered here is that they might be saved. That's his prayer. The Bible says that he had prayer to God, and so he's praying to God, and he's asking God in a way of request. And the request that he's asking of God is that they might be saved. I'm asking tonight the Lord to help me that when I pray, that I will pray that the Lord will save. That the Lord will save those tonight that he's put into my life, put into my space put into where I am tonight and that I would be diligent and I would be so prayerful that in the midst of my praying for all that is to be prayed for that I will mention and not forget the souls of men that I would pray 
and ask God that they he might that he might save uh, these ones in which we are asking. So the request of God is the prayer in which he is praying. Only the saved tonight can have the effectual fervent prayer, right? Only the saved tonight can God hear their prayer. God, the Bible says that God hears not the prayer of a sinner. Uh, so we find tonight that those who are not saved tonight, God don't hear. And those that are saved tonight, that they have sin in their life, God cannot hear. And so we find tonight that only the saved can make such a request, that only the saved will make the request. Tonight, there's nobody tonight who's, who's not saved is praying that somebody get saved. You've got to be saved tonight in order to be concerned about those that are not saved. And so Paul tonight is praying. He's praying to God, and the request that he's making is this. I kind of broke it down into what it means tonight by the word saved. He's praying and asking the Lord, God, would you, would you rescue the unsaved? You see, that's the prayer of the saved tonight. Would you rescue the unsaved? The unsaved are going to hell. Lord, would you rescue them? And I wonder tonight, is that on our prayer list? Is that tonight on our prayer mind? When we get down to pray, when we find ourselves in prayer tonight, is the lost souls or the forgotten souls, the souls tonight, are they part of our list? Or is it just part where, Lord, we just need these things and we ask you to help these people, and, Lord, we pray that you bring this into our lives. We pray that you remove this out of our lives and, and, Lord, for our missionaries and for our country and for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, if you ever pay much attention to the prayers of people tonight, you'll see kind of the temperature or the measurement of where we are concerning the forgotten souls. How many in prayer meeting tonight are they praying for souls to be saved? How much time do we spend on that? Think about that. How much time tonight do we just concentrate? And, Lord, you saved my co-worker, uh, John. You saved uh, my uncle, George. You, you saved my aunt, Sally. Lord, I pray you'll save my grandma. I pray you'll save my child, so-and-so. God, would you save them? Would you deliver them tonight? Deliver them. And tonight, I believe, I don't know, you might be like me or maybe not like me, but tonight I feel like, God, I have brought into my life forgotten souls that I'm not crying out to God. I'm not praying unto the Lord. Say, God, would you, would you deliver or rescue the unsaved? And, boy, when you talk about the word saved there, it's a, it's a scary word. Uh, you're being rescued. There ain't nobody in this room right here tonight. If you ever get in a situation where you need to be rescued tonight, it's not a light situation. When you tell somebody, I need to be rescued, you're saying, I'm in a dangerous place. I'm in a place where uh, just coming by and talking to me ain't going to help. Just coming by and giving me a gift ain't going to work. Just coming by and telling me how much you're praying for me is not going to help. I need a rescue. I, I need somebody to do something that will cause me to get out of the danger in which I'm in. And tonight, would it to be God that we begin to pray and have the prayer upon asking God, God, would you rescue the unsaved? God, not only would you rescue the unsaved, but God, would you deliver the ungodly? Will you deliver the ungodly? The word saved means deliver, and would you... Would you take the ungodly Lord and would you, would you deliver them? Tonight that means, God, would you heal the unwise? You know, those that just make stupid decisions and make, make crazy decisions and, and it seems like their life is in shambles and it just seems like they're unwise in who they marry, unwise in what they go and where they do and how they handle their lives and, and how they do what they do. Lord, they're just unwise. Lord, would you heal them? God, would you deliver? Would you rescue? Lord, would you preserve the unknowing? God, those who don't know that they're lost, those that don't know the danger of, and how close of hell they are, and those tonight who don't know that eternity is right around the corner. It's just one breath away. It's just one blink away. 
And Lord, would you take those who just don't know how close they are to hell, how close they are to judgment tonight. Would you just take them, Lord, and would you not only save them, but deliver and rescue and heal and preserve them tonight. That's the prayer tonight of the saved. That's what Paul's praying. And friend, that prayer is a request of God. But then I notice that that word, uh, but praying tonight, where he says prayer to God, not only does it mean a request of God, but it means a returning to God. In other words, that word prayer, it means begging to God. And tonight, may our prayers be such that we just don't mention the name one time. But we just keep on returning to God and keep on mentioning the name. Just begging, praying to God, asking God, God, would you save and deliver and rescue? But we're not asking you, Lord, with just common communication. We're not asking you, God, because we just have a little small request. We're not asking you tonight because we just want to have some sort of uh, communion with you. But, God, we want to beg. That word means beg. That word prayer. Beg. I beg you, Lord. I beg you. And then I'm going to beg you tomorrow. And I'm going to beg you the next day. And I'm going to beg you the following day. And I'm going to beg you the next week. And I'm going to beg you until they get saved. Amen. That word prayer means beg. It means tonight to, to cry. To cry to God. How many tears do we shed over lost people? How many tears do we shed tonight over those that need to be delivered and rescued and healed and preserved tonight? Are we really tonight, are we forgetting souls? Are we tonight in our way of prayer? We have a whole list of things to pray for, but is souls the one we're begging for? That we're crying out. That we're crying and asking God. Uh, that we're pleading with God to say. God, I'm going to plead with you, and I'm going to return with the same prayer request, and I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. Friend, I've been praying for some people for 37 years tonight, but I can tell you tonight I haven't prayed like I ought to pray for the other ones for all those years. Amen. We pray for a season. We pray for a time, and then all of a sudden they, they kind of lose, get lost in our mind. They kind of get lost in the translation of our life. They kind of get put to the back burner. They kind of get to the place where uh, you have kind of a line of what I pray about. And they're down here tonight. God, forgive me tonight. That those people are still needing rescue. They still need to be delivered. They still need to be healed. They still need to be preserved. And God, help me not to have my mind forgotten souls. While you're blessing me with things and you meet my needs in so many ways, in so many areas. And tonight I got more than I've ever, ever deserved and, and more than I ever need tonight. We got, we got garages full of stuff. We got attics full of stuff. We got, we got closets full of stuff. We got cars and trunks full of stuff tonight. We got stuff running all over our ears tonight. We don't need no more. We got everything we ever wanted. Amen. Our pantries are full. Our refrigerators are full. Our tables are full. Oh, but how about the souls of men? I'm preaching to me tonight. Y'all just join in. But God help me tonight as we find ourselves in this prosperous world you've given us as we find ourselves tonight in a lack of nothing, as we find ourselves tonight in a want of anything, if you're really honest tonight with each other tonight, you'd say, really, what do you want for Christmas? I'd have to say tonight, I don't want anything. I've got everything I ever need. And I don't need one more thing, but there's something I do really need, is I need to begin to pray that God would just say, and I'll return to God. And I'll return to God. And I'd beg and cry and plead and say, God, save the souls of men. And tonight that would be what I would need tonight. So the prayer of the saved, the request of God, the returning to God. Then thirdly, I notice the reliance of God. Because tonight you would know if you pray as it was here that the only hope and the only help and the only honor that any unsaved individual has is God. That's the only hope. 
Now listen to me, dear child of God, who, who really just is concerned about the forgotten souls. That if God is the only help and hope and honor in which their lives could ever have, wouldn't it be tonight that you and I would have a responsibility somehow, some way, an obligation some way, somehow, who have a direct line to God, that has a relationship with God, that has a communion with God, that you and I could say, listen, when I pray, God hears, and when I pray, God listens, because I am His child and He's my God. And friend, when I come to Him, I come into the access of heaven, I come before Him with boldness and confidence, and I've got assurance in my heart that there is a God and there's a God in heaven tonight in which I pray for and all these unsaved, unsaved souls, friend. The only hope is that God that I talk to, that God that I have relationship with, that God that I got fellowship with Him. Friend, wouldn't it be good tonight to know that the only reliance that they have is the God that's within me. God, help us to know that. Help us not to think that somehow, some way, they're going to get there. I mean, eventually, man, they they'll kind of they kind of come around. You know what? Just this so happened that every once in a while, or this or that, will happen, and, and maybe in a year or two years or something like that. And you think, well, maybe somebody will go by and give them the gospel, or maybe somebody will go talk to them, or maybe somebody will come up to them in the road and 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 uh, just pat them on the back and say, "Hey, uh, do you need to be saved?" But you're not praying. You're just hoping that these things come around. You're just hoping that somehow, some way, somebody else will do something that you're not doing or something that you can't do. You're not relying upon God, really. And so when Paul, when Paul was praying, he said, I pray to God that he would save them. He's relying upon God. God, help us tonight to rely upon you. That if our children are ever going to get saved, it's going to be God that saves them. But it just might need me and you to begin to beg and plea and cry. Return to God on a daily basis, if not twice a day, three times a day. And begin to request of God, God, would you save them? Would you deliver them or rescue them? Tonight, friend, I, I come under great conviction today as I was praying, asking God, what do you want me to preach tonight? Began to reveal to my heart as I began to think souls, souls. There's a story that I heard. I don't know all the details of it, but I'm going to give you the gist of it uh, that uh, it made my heart hurt. There was a guy that is in Austria, and as as he was, he got saved and. And he put this satchel on, and, and he would go around, and he would tap on people's shoulders. And he'd say, this is all he would do all the time. He'd say, are you a Christian? And they would say, yes or no. He'd give them a, he'd give them a, a crack, and he would say, this shows you how to go to heaven. That's basically it. So he did that for 40 years, just with the satchel saying the same, he didn't say anything more. He just said, are you a Christian? This, gets, this shows you how to get to heaven. There was a preacher that began to preach, and he was a revivalist. And he's out there preaching, and he's out in India preaching. He gave a testimony service, and, and testimony service came. This one rose his hand and said, let me tell you how I got saved. He said, how you get saved? He said, well, I was in Austria. He said, this old man came by. Pat me on the shoulder. He said, sir, he said, are you a Christian? He said, I wasn't at the time. He, he gave me a track and said, hey, this shows you how to get to heaven. He said, I read the track, got saved. Guy was preaching again. He's in West Indies. He's preaching. At the end of this preaching, he gives a testimony service. He says, anybody can tell me when you got saved? This lady raised her hand. She said, let me tell you how I got saved. How you got saved? He said, I was in Austria. Had an old man. Come by, tapped me on the shoulder, said, are you a Christian? I wasn't. Gave me a track and just said, here's how you go to heaven. He said, he went to, well, he went to England, began to preach. He said, testimony service, same thing. 
There was a young man. He said, I was in Austria. He said, an old man came by and tapped me on the shoulder. He said, are you a Christian? He said, I wasn't. He said, read the track. He said, tells you how to go to heaven. So this preacher, this evangelist comes back home. And he's in Scotland. He comes back home. And why is it home? He tells the story about what's going on in these different places. And the same story, the same old man, the same tracks, the same wordings. So he asked his congregation, he says, does anybody know these, this man? Two little ladies in the back raised their hands. They said, Pastor, I know that man. He said, and that man has been doing that for a long time. Matter of fact, we got saved just like that. He said, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to Austria. I'm going to find this old man. And so he had his name. He had his place where he was. So he goes to Austria. And when he gets to Austria, he, he comes to a place. He worked all day, all week, couldn't find anybody. Finally decided at the end of the week that he's just going to go back home because he can't find this old man. Matter of fact, he don't even know if he's still living. But he gets on the bus. He's... About to take off, there's a tap on his shoulder. He said, sir, he said he, said he was so old that he, he was like his head was down. He couldn't hardly lift up his eyes like this. He said, sir, he was sitting in front. The guy was sitting in the back. He turned around and said, yes, sir. He said, are you a Christian? He said, are you? And he gave him the name of that that those two ladies said. He said, yeah. How did you know my name? He said, he said, sir, I've been looking for you for several days. He said, and now I found you. He said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I've been all over the country preaching. He said, there are so many people who got saved who come to Austria. He said, man's tears start flowing down his eyes. He said, for 40 years, I've been given tracts. Nobody, not one person ever made a profession of faith. Not one person even acknowledged my Jesus. He said, I'm telling you, sir. He said, I had to come tell you how you've changed lives all over the world. Forgotten souls. I said to myself, I can do that. Can you? Can you do that? Can you just tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, are you a Christian? Take the track to tell you how to get to heaven. No telling what will happen, amen. I guarantee you that man's praying, just like Paul was praying, amen. Request, return, and then reliance. We find here the reason tonight why Paul would pray for the saved is because in verse 2, because the saved are without the need of being saved. The saved, the unsaved, are without the need of being saved. That's why you and I have to pray. Because those who are unsaved, they don't feel like they have the need to be saved. Because when they find out that they have the need to be saved, they get saved. So what we have to pray is because we know in verse 2 it says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Paul was saying of Israel, they have this excitement. They have this, they have this uh, you know, as if they have it all together. Uh, they have like this stuff like, I know the Bible. Uh, I know uh, what the Bible says. And, and a lot of people say that all the time. I'll tell you what, them people right there, they might not be so. They might not be saved, but they know the Bible. You hear that kind of stuff before? And so they say, well, uh, that, them people right there, uh, they, they can hey, memorize Scripture. They, they, they kind of live even part of the little uh, whatever they do know, like being kind to your neighbor and love your neighbor and stuff like that, uh, be a good husband and this, that, and the other. And, and so they kind of got all that going on, but it's not according to knowledge. They're not saved. They just have some kind of understanding, and they got this some sort of a, a excitement or this zeal. The word zeal means a, a fire. It means got something going about them but not according to knowledge. And the Israelites don't even know that they need to be saved because they have this 
Bible understanding because they have this, this understanding of, of what their religion is all about. And many of folks are like that tonight. And that's why we have to pray. Because there's a lot of unsaved people who don't even have a need to be saved. And they'll never get saved until they have the need to be saved. So number two, not only is that the truth, but then the second truth is that the unsaved people or unsaved um, individuals are without the necessity of being saved. Look there in verse 3. It says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. See, these same people tonight who don't have a need to be saved are the same people who don't have the necessities of being saved, which is the righteousness of God. They're not looking for the righteousness of God. They're already establishing their own righteousness. They're having their own rules. They're telling us they're going to heaven because they were good people. They're telling us they're going to heaven because they were a good parent, because they are a good citizen. They have their own righteousness. They have their own uh, guidelines. And, and they're telling us that I'm a Christian and I'm based my Christianity on these things. And yet it's not God's righteousness. It's their own righteousness. So we got to pray. Because these people are unsaved, have a, don't have a need to be saved, but they don't have nece the necessity to be saved, right? That is the God of righteousness or the righteousness of God. Necessity. Number three, the unsaved don't have what's necessary to be saved. And that is there in that verse four, for Christ is the end. See, that's what's necessary for them to be saved is Christ. That's the end. When you come to Christ, you come to the end. That's the end of you. That's the end of your sin. That's the end of your life. That's the end of all that is bad and ugly. That's the end. Christ is what they, it's a necessary for them to be saved is Christ. Is Christ only tonight. Not Christ plus baptism or Christ plus works or Christ plus membership or Christ plus whatever. It's Christ only. Verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone that believeth. And so not only is Christ only, but it's faith only. It's for everyone that believeth, Christ only. So it's faith in Christ only. That's the necessary need to be saved. And tonight, people don't have it. They don't have a need to be saved. You know, I said to somebody the other day, why does anybody that we kind of know in America need to be saved? They got a job. They got health. They got family. They got bank money in the bank. They've got cars. They got boats. They got, they got uh, this. They got that. Honestly, tonight, if you talk to anybody and everybody and you go to the businesses or at your business or even in your family, Everybody's living it up. Why do they need God? Right? America's ugly with that. Now, you go to a third world country, you go to someplace like a Mexico, or you go to someplace uh, even in, in Canada tonight, it's rich out there as well, and they got a lot of things out there. So it's almost like because there's no need of anything, there's definitely no need of God. But when you have nothing, then you need God. Right? It seems like that. And so we're living in a society that has no need of God. They got no necessity of God. They got no nece necessary for God. It's God is out until they get sick. Until a, the one of the children die. Until they get financially debunked. Or until they find something in their lives that's tragic. And all of a sudden, they start running to God. Tonight, me and you have to be the ones that are praying. God, would you save them? And so the prayer of the saved tonight, the prayer of the saved tonight, that's what Paul was in chapter 10, verse 1. Can I say number two? The passion of a servant. I noticed tonight, not only was Paul at the prayer of the saved, but I noticed the passion. He said this, brethren, my heart's desire. My heart's desire. That's a passion. 
I wonder tonight, do you have passion that God would save? You might, you might want the people in your life to be saved. And you, you tonight, you may not only want those people to be saved, but man, you'd like them to be saved. Matter of fact, you, you would more like it, you'd love it that they'd be saved. But is it my heart's desire? My heart's desire is to retire. My heart's desire is to get a new home, get a new heart. Uh, get a new life, get this, get that. But is it a passion within you that those that are unsaved, that God would save? Is it a passion? Now, be careful now when you answer that. Because passion is a very, very, very uh, distinguished effect on us. Because if we can look at each other tonight and find out what's your passion, Right? You're going to find that my passion is really what makes me tick. My passion is what really makes me happy. I have a passion for Astros. So you go buy Astro cap, Astro shirt. You go to the Astro game. You take a flag. They score a run. Hey, that's good. Passion. Passion for work. Man, I go to work every day. I go to work and do my best every day. I mean, I can't wait to get to work. I can't wait till when I get there. And, man, what I do, I'm so proud and I'm so uh, excited about what I do do at work. I have passion for my children. I'm going to buy them everything. I'm going to give them everything. I'm going to teach them everything. I want them to grow up to be the very best in whatever they want to do. I'm going to send them to college. I'm going to get them to the place where, where I'm going to get them to get married and, and have children and have a passion. You see, with passion, it draws all your energy. It brings all of your effort. It brings into a focus. And you get fixed upon a passion. Amen? So with that being said tonight, do we honestly, before God tonight, can we say, it's my heart's desire that they be saved? I don't know if I can say that. Can you? Because if it was a passion, I'd be passing out tracts every single day. Day. And I'll pass out tracts to every single person. And I would be praying and crying and begging God to save every single day and every single prayer. Does that make sense tonight? You say, brother, you're presenting something tonight that's impossible. It wasn't for Paul. It wasn't for Paul. I want to be able to pray like Paul. And I want the passion like Paul. Don't you? God, help me tonight. I want to see this church grow. But I want to see this church grow by salvation. I want to see our church tonight blossom and be full. But I want to see it be full because of salvation. I want my family and your family and our family to come to Jesus and begin to serve the Lord. Can you imagine just the small families we have in here tonight if every one of your children and grandchildren begin to serve God here at Glory Baptist Church because they've been saved. You know what it's going to take, dear church? You say, brother, you should be preaching this on Sunday. You know what? I'm preaching on Wednesday because Wednesday is the people that Need to hear it. If we could get some passion, it just may happen. But let me tell you something tonight. If we don't get the passion, it will never happen. It will never happen. The passion. You say, well, let me, what does that mean tonight? Well, let me show you what it means tonight in the way of the Scripture. That word desire there in verse 1 of chapter 10 it means satisfaction. 
satisfaction. When we find tonight that telling others about Jesus and Jesus saving their souls brings a satisfaction, then we'll be more passionate. When that satisfaction is not that they just come to church. That satisfaction is not that they just say they're saved, but that satisfaction is that they get saved. Then that desire is now met. That word desire don't mean satisfaction, but it means delight and pleasure. So when Paul says it's my desire, my heart's desire, he's saying, man, I'm satisfied and pleasurable and delightful. God, you save. You save Israel. That's what will satisfy me. That's what will be delightful for me. That's what brings pleasure in my life is when the souls of men are saved. God, make me to that place. Bring me to that man that I, as yours tonight, would have what Paul had. We find tonight as well that the souls of mankind reaches the heart of every servant of God. That's why I titled it, Because the Passion of a Servant. Now, Paul preached to Israel. He told Israel straight up. And I know tonight we, we do that too. We ought to anyway. When we get before our family, we are to tell them what the Bible says. No compromise. No adjustments. None, none to say that we don't want to hurt your feelings or we don't want to offend you in any way. And we don't. We don't want to do things like that. But at the same time, we're going to have to preach and teach to those that we say they want to get saved. But what Paul did, Paul preached to them, but he prayed for them. So tonight, for everyone that you want to preach to must be the same one you pray for. If you're not going to pray for them, then don't preach to them. Man, that hits. <laughs> that, that hits home tonight, right? I mean, if we want to tell them about Jesus and tell them about eternal life, then we're going to have to get in our private place and really pray and pray. I want you to notice, number one, look, if your Bibles, if you would, we'll, we'll just uh, maybe close here. I don't know. But we'll chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 tonight. And look there in verse 19 with me. Chapter 9, verse 19. The passion of a servant tonight because Paul gives us Tonight, the heart, when he says, my desire, my heart's desire, he speaks of his heart, uh, and we see it here tonight. He says in verse 19, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Now, I want you tonight to understand the servant. Now, if we're going to be a servant, and that's what we are as Christians tonight, or servants, we're saved, but we're servants. we got to understand a servant. Number one, the first thing about a servant tonight, as Paul was, is Paul said, I'm not a servant to anyone. Look what he said in verse 19. For though I be free from all men. In other words, Paul was saying that that word free means unrestrained. I am not. I am not a slave to a man. I'm not a slave to win him to Christ. I'm not going to be uh, restrained to tell him about Jesus. I I'm not going to be obligated with that. I'm not going to be responsible for that. Uh, I am one who is exempt from obligation or liability. If everyone dies and goes to hell, I'm free from that. That's what he says. Uh, you understand that much? That when we go out 
it's not an obligation for us. It's not a liability for us. It's not something tonight that is put pressed upon us. It's not something tonight that we say we have to do, that the men outside, the women outside, and the boys and girls who are lost without God headed for hell, and we have this big burden laid upon us. we got this big pressure put upon us. We've got this uh, big, big uh, uh, like it's like a hand that's upon us. It says, get out there and tell them about Jesus. And if you don't, you're sorry. You're not very good Christians. Paul said, I'm free of that. I'm completely free. I'm not a slave or I'm not a servant to anybody. Not one person in all the world tonight am I responsible for. Isn't that good? But then he says this. Now, he's not a servant to anyone, but he is a servant, a servant to everyone. He says in verse 9, 19, he says, Yet have I made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain the more. You see, he's not a servant to anybody, but he made himself a servant to everybody. Just because you're saved tonight doesn't mean tonight that you're obligated or you have some sort of... Uh, Pressure put upon you because now you've got to go out and win somebody to Christ. No, a servant tonight has made himself a servant. He's humbled himself before God. He submitted himself unto the great commission. He said, Lord, I know I'm saved and going to heaven, and I don't have the responsibility to win anybody else to Christ, but I submit myself to under your commission, and I'll go out and be a servant to everybody. Isn't that good so you so you're not you can't be said hey listen the preacher puts the pressure on me to go out and pass out the tracks no as a servant you just yield to the lord and say i'll become a servant to everybody. so everybody who's unsaved tonight i'm a slave to and i made that decision myself i became a servant everyone who don't know christ in your family and at work and every place you go tonight as a, as a servant you have made yourself to be a servant to them so tonight uh there's not a like a a dictatorship or a, a a place where you could say you know what i just hate going out there and telling them about jesus i just hate passing out tracks i i just hate doing that it's so embarrassing it's so hard i don't know what to say i don't know what to do i don't know any of that kind of stuff hey listen friend if that's you that's you tonight but every servant of god will make himself a servant to that one in which you are trying to win for christ and you won't go through all that emotion. You won't go through all that feelings. Because the word servant means I'm, I'm not, I'm enslaved. So when he says right here in verse 19, I made myself a servant unto all. I have enslaved myself to everyone. I have brought myself to bondage. I have made myself a slave to them. And why? Why a servant to all? Why would Paul do that? Why would he say in verse 19, I'm free from all men? I'm not a servant to anybody. And then he said, then I make myself a servant. It's like, Paul, you, you just kind of kind of making yourself in a trouble there, man. But this, he tells us why, and this is why. Well, what a great statement here in verse 19. He says, that I might gain the more. That I might gain the more. What's he saying? What's he talking about? He's talking about that he will gain more souls to be saved. And that's why I became enslaved to an old drunk. That's why I became, bring myself into bondage to an old rebellious child. That's why I caused myself to be, to be to the place where I've been a slave to that one who's just an alcoholic or a drug addict or just some kind of sorry person. Why do I keep on putting myself into his way why do i always seem to be kind of placing myself into her direction because i place myself as a slave to them i'm enslaved my bondage myself i put myself to there so that i may win more that's why that's the only reason why tonight that i would do this is because more more to be saved more to go to heaven more tonight 
that would be born again. More sinners rescued. More sinners delivered. More people will be saved. Listen, church, without the servants of God tonight, nobody gets saved. Because if you're saved tonight, you could say, I'm free from everyone. And you're right. But as a servant tonight, you say, I'm a servant to everyone. And the reason why I'm a servant to everyone is because I want more to be saved. Isn't that good? God, help me. Help me tonight, Lord, to be this one with this passion, the passion of a servant tonight. Now, is, is there tonight the understanding of a servant? But I want you to notice the undertaking of the servant. Look in verse 20. He says, Under the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. Now, when he's talking about gaining, he's talking about winning to Christ. He says, to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Well, Paul was saying, this is the undertaking of a servant. What do I do as a servant of Christ? Was well, a servant of Christ, I go to the religious, and I don't offend them, but I go to them, that I might win them. Right? We don't stand offish, and we don't try to debate them. We don't try to hurt them. We don't try to cut them down. We don't try to tell them how their doctrines are wrong and try to tell them how, how bad they are and how all of them are going to go to hell. Uh, no, that's not how we're going to do it. We're going to do it because we're enslaved to them and we become, uh, become bondage to them and so that we may win them more. So Paul says, for those that, those that are under the law, I became under the law so that I could win them. Then, then look at verse 21. He said, Talking about the lost people now. He said, to them that are without the law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. He's talking about now the Gentile, talking about the lost without Christ. He said, I, I go to them. I become part of them. I, I, come, I become part of who they are. Not I do what they do. I'm separate from what they do. But I get part of where they're at. Like if they're at a park, I go to the park. If they're at a restaurant, I go to the restaurant. If they're at a store, I go to the store. If they're at work, I go to work. Like I may win the ones that are Gentiles, the ones that are not under the law. Look at verse 22. He says, then I go to those tonight who are just weak. To the weak became I. And it became as I weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. He, the word weak there would mean tonight to those that are unknowing. They don't know. So I go to them. And so every area of individuals tonight, whether they're religious or whether they're lost or whether they just don't know, Paul says, I do that so I can win more. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? I believe here lies the big problem. Tonight we can live in our nice homes and have a nice church and have a nice bank account and have a nice retirement. And man, we can enjoy all of us that are here tonight as a church and enjoy each other. But man, are we carrying on the passion of the servant? Are we understanding what a servant is? Are we the, the, the very underlying of what a servant is? That we go to them. You know, we're always praying, God, will you give us a visitor? God, will you send us a family? God, would you bring somebody our way? But every, are we going to where they are? Amen. God, help us tonight. Now, again, I'm preaching to me. If you want to get on the bandwagon, you can. But God, I, I need this passion. So the undertaking of a servant, his heart was to gain more to Christ. His satisfaction was to gain more for Christ. And his delight was to gain more in Christ. The motivation of Paul was more for Christ. That's why he would go to these places, to these people, more for Christ. I just want to do more for Christ. 
I just want more to be saved. I just want more to know Christ. He, the message that he gave was all of Christ. It was just Christ. And his, the meaning of was Christ. And we show you thirdly here tonight, the underlying, not only the undertaking of a servant, but the underlying of a, of a servant. What was the basis of Paul? Why would he be a servant here tonight and do what he would do? Well, it says that in verse 23. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Two points. Number one, the basis of why I am a servant, Paul was saying. Here's the basis for the gospel's sake. For the gospel's sake. Why tonight would we be free from all men? Nobody out there I'm obligated to do anything with. But why would I become a servant to every man? And the reason why is for the gospel's sake. That's why. Not for my sake. Not for your sake. Not for the church's sake. For the gospel's sake. Well, what do you mean, brother? Well, for the gospel's sake, that Jesus would be honored. The more people who get saved, the more people honors Jesus. The more people who get saved, the more, the more praise and the more worship and the more edification and exaltation comes to Christ. Man, we want the whole world to know what we know. We want the whole world to worship Jesus. We want the whole world to praise Jesus. We want the whole world to fall down at the feet of Jesus. How do we make that happen? By going out to win more for gospel's sake. Not for our sake. If we just plan on doing it for our sake, we won't do it. Or for anybody else's sake. It's not for the church's sake. You say, well, I'm going to go knock on doors and I'm going to go tell everybody Christ so that people can come in the church and the church can grow. Well, that's not how this is going to work. You're going to go out and do what you do because you have made yourself become a servant unto the people. And now you're doing that for one one reason. That is for the gospel's sake so that Jesus can be honored. Number two, not because Jesus be honored, but we find it's for the gospel's sake so that the church tonight can be advanced. See, the only way the church can grow is if you and I, the servants of God, would go. That make sense? And we're not going to go unless we have the passion. And friend, we're not going to have the passion if we don't have prayer. So if we're not even praying tonight about lost well, we're definitely not going to have passion for lost. And so we're definitely not going to go forth and do anything to win more. And it's because it's the gospel's sake tonight in which is getting hurt. It's the church is not advancing. If there's ever a time in history tonight, it's 2022 going to 2023. And all that we find in the world tonight, if we need anything advancing, guess what it is? The church. But why isn't the church advancing? Because the servants of God are not passionate. And the reason why we're not passionate is because we're not praying. And the reason why we're not praying tonight is because we're complacent. And we're just happy with what we got, satisfied with what we're doing, and just ready for Jesus to come. Is that true? That's where we are tonight. And thirdly, tonight, the, for, for the gospel's sake, not only does it mean for Jesus to be honored, but the church to be advanced, but it means that the salvation be successful. If, if salvation's going to be successful, it's going to take you and I to have passion. And that is we do what we do for, for the gospel's sake. Number, three, number two, not only the basis of why I am a servant, but the burden of why I'm a servant. The burden is not they're lost. And God, give me a burden for the lost. We say that a lot tonight, but I don't know if there's any Bible uh, truth about that. But the burden in which I see here in the Scripture is what Paul says in verse 23. He says, that I might be partaker thereof with you. In other words, tonight, while somebody would begin to pray for the lost and begin to have passion toward the lost, would be because somebody has a burden that they may be a co-partner with those who they're telling in eternity. That's why. That we can have be co 
partner, but be co-partakers of eternal life together. Well, if we could think in this mindset tonight that, that we're going to go out. Let's just use this for example. We're going to go out, and we're going to get gas down at Exxon. When I get to Exxon, I'm gonna, I could go at the pump, and I could put in my gas in the pump, right? Put my card there, do the gas, put my gas, and take off. But I'm going to go inside after I pump my gas, and I'm going to go to the, the guy who's probably Muhammad, right? That's the way it is. I'm just telling you the truth. It's going to be a foreigner. Go to the farmer, foreigner. It's probably going to be Muhammad. Muhammad's going to be a Muslim. All right? Say to, say to him, now why would I do that? One of the reasons is for gospel's sake, right? The second reason is because I want that Muslim to be a partaker with me when I go to heaven. See, when we, when we think in these terms, it changes our actions. Is that true? When we begin to, to think in terms of, I want to be co-partners, co-participators. I want to be co-communion in heaven and eternal life. And if the only way I can do that is to get the gospel to them. I can't wait for you to do it. I've got to do it. Right? So tonight, and the thought that I had was forgotten souls. And I believe on a daily basis I'm guilty of forgetting souls. Are you? Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want, I want this passion that Paul had. I want this prayer that Paul had. And then there's another one tonight, but we're not going to be able to, to bring it to you. But maybe one day we might. Help us, Lord. Help us tonight. Anybody just need to come pray? Say, Lord, I, I sure like to have that, that prayer life like Paul had. And I sure would like to have that passion too. Sure need your help, Lord. I found myself all bogged down in my own personal life. I just really get selfish from time to time. I allow my feelings to control my actions. I'm sorry. Oh, there's some come tonight. Would you come? And just say, Lord, I'm, a, I'm just going to just lay out before you tonight asking you that you help me at this point. I'm not going to promise you nothing. I'm not going to make an oath tonight, God, or a vow. I'm just going to say, Lord, help me. Help me tonight. Help me to be as Paul, where he says, brethren, it's my heart's desire and prayer to God that Israel might be saved. May that be my heart tonight. May that be my heart. I help tonight. You're here tonight. Let's just gather around this altar with these others tonight. Jesus Christ is born.